Welcome to the sermon podcast of Resurrection Community Church in Virginia Beach. We seek to connect people to God and one another through His Word, and hope this sermon brings you closer to God. From Matthew chapter 11, um, and this is uh, the second, the second in our, our series uh, throughout the season of Lent leading up to Easter of Heart Habits for Real Change. Uh, these are things that God has commanded us to do, in fact, but they are gifts that he has given us as well that bring about real change in our lives. We struggle with this, thing, this, this idea that most of us, I think, want to be different, want to be better people, more kind, loving, uh, compassionate, generous, all these kinds of things, and yet we struggle to actually change and be those ways. And we've talked about how the change is not just a matter of desire and following rules, but really is a matter of character and heart change. And so then the question is, how do our hearts change? And so we've been seeing from different places in God's word how God works in our hearts and what means he uses to bring about that kind of change that reflects in our lives. So we'll be uh, talking this morning about rest and the habits of rest that God offers and that God commands for us. So I'll be reading from Matthew chapter 11, uh, starting at verse 25, through Matthew chapter 12, verse 8. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, for, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry, and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests? Or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. We pray now that as we spend the next few minutes reflecting on your word, that you would speak to us by the power of your Holy Spirit. That this word would not merely be information for our heads, but transformation for our hearts. That it may change the way that we think, the way that we feel, the way that we live, today and in the days to come. Amen. Have any of you gone shopping for a new mattress recently? Um, I haven't, to be honest. We have a wonderful mattress but I've been, I've been thinking about mattresses as I think about rest this week. And so I went and looked at a list of the top 12 mattresses 
uh, you know, from some list on the internet. And one of the things that was fascinating is the price range of these mattresses. These mattresses range from a relatively basic few hundred dollar mattress to still a perfectly decent mattress up to a $5,000 Tempur-Pedic cooling mattress that supposedly lowers the temperature as you sleep by like eight degrees. I don't know how they do it, but so they say. And you might hear that and think, who would spend $5,000 on a mattress? Or you might think, no, no, Jimmy, trust me, $5,000 on a mattress is the best $5,000 you could ever spend. And I have a feeling you can get even more expensive mattresses. Why? Because sleep is so important. We know that the kind of mattress you have makes a big difference to how well you sleep. And we know that how well you sleep makes a big difference to how you function in life, how all kinds of things about your health. I don't know, uh, growing up I was always told you need to get lots and lots of rest and I continue to see it from you know, scientists and people who know these things, the importance of sleep and Americans are underslept and all of these things. And so a good mattress seems to be worth a lot of money. But here's the thing. No $5,000 mattress can give you sleep if your mind will not turn off, if your soul is not at rest, if you are worried and anxious about many things. It, it doesn't really matter how good your mattress is. Now, it's not to discount the value of a good mattress and the value of physical things. But Jesus here, when he comes to offer us rest, is not really talking about mattresses. He's talking about rest for our souls. And this is the rest that I think we so desperately desire. A real and deep rest. It's one thing to be told, just get more sleep. But for many of us, just get more sleep feels as much like a burden as anything else. Oh, just one more thing I have to do. I have to get good sleep. But I can't because there's too many other things to do and I have too many things going on in my mind. Too many worries and concerns, uncertainties, decisions that I have to make, tasks that simply must get done. What we need is rest for our souls. And that is something that we cannot find for even $5,000. It costs far more than a good mattress but is a much greater need. So how do we find that rest for our souls? We find the key here in Matthew chapter 11. We love to, people love to quote uh, verse 28. In fact, I put it on our Facebook page this morning. It's, the, it's Monday in the Daily Prayer Project. No, Sunday. I think it was this morning in the Daily Prayer Project, the call to worship. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's a beautiful verse. But what comes, what's the key that that, that is anchored on? Is what Jesus says before this, verse 27. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. The only way that we can truly know God, the only way that we can find real rest for our souls is in the starting point that Jesus is the one who reveals the Father to us. Jesus is the one who reveals God to us. So if we want real and deep rest, we must find it in Jesus and we must find it in what Jesus reveals about God. And we see here as we progress through these verses in Matthew that there are three things 
that Jesus reveals to us about God. The first is that God creates a pattern of rest. The second is that God compels a relationship of rest. And the third is that God commands a habit of rest. I'll say those again. They go together, so they're easy to write down. God creates a pattern of rest. God compels a relationship of rest. And God commands a habit of rest. So first, God creates a pattern of rest. We have to realize as we look at this talk about rest that, you know, you might have thought as I was reading that we, we took a sharp change, that I read kind of two stories from Matthew. First, this, this stirring call from Jesus uh, about, I, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. And then this argument about the Sabbath between Jesus and the Pharisees as they walked through the grain fields. But it's no coincidence that these stories are right next to each other in Matthew. I didn't jump around, I just went right from one to the other because that's how Matthew placed them. Because the, call, the, the offer of rest from Jesus is rooted in the creation of the Sabbath by God. Though we see here in Matthew that it was misunderstood, but first we have to look back to see the pattern of rest that God created. Throughout the Bible, time and again, the Sabbath is talked about. And it starts all the way back in Genesis chapter 2, when in the account of the creation of the world, that God created the world in six days, and then it says, on the seventh day, God rested. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. And this pattern of creation, six days you shall work, and on the seventh day you shall rest, is not just something that we look at and we're like, oh, if God did that, it must be a good idea. But it's something that God explicitly repeats and commands throughout the Old Testament. It's in the Ten Commandments. The Fourth Commandment says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. For in six days God made the world and all that is in it, and on the seventh day he rested. And so throughout all of history, God's people have kept this pattern of one day in seven that is set apart for rest and devotion to God. And the thing to realize about this is that this is not some ritualistic, abstract command that we must slave to. In fact, that was the problem that the Pharisees had. They had turned it into a burden. And Jesus wanted it to be a blessing. The commands of God, the pattern of God is for a blessing. It's simply the way that life works. We were not made to work all the time. We were made to work hard for six days, and then to have a day that we rest. Six days you shall labor, and on the seventh you rest. This is the way that God has made us. Uh, you may, some of you may know that my wife and my oldest son are, are fervent lifters. They're weight lifters. They're power lifters. Several of you are also power lifters. It's kind of a thing here in our church to do power lifting. And uh, one of the things that happens as you do a lot of lifting is... Weird stuff happens to your body. And so my son, Nathan, recently had this issue where he, he couldn't pick up the weights anymore. His hamstring was not letting him pick up the weights for his deadlift. And his coach was like, you, you need to go see a chiropractor. And so he goes to the chiropractor and finds that his body is all out of alignment in various ways. And so the chiropractor is now working on adjustments, not to change anything, not to make him different in some way, but to get him back in alignment. 
to get his body to work the way that it is supposed to work. That you can pick things up, that your blood flows in the right, in the right ways. Talking with a chiropractor, reading something about it, it's amazing all the things that can be changed when your body gets in the right alignment. And the creation of the Sabbath, the pattern of rest that God created, is getting ourselves in the right alignment. And so this is what Jesus is calling us to in rest. This is the true meaning of the Sabbath, to put our lives in right alignment, where we spend six days working and one day resting. And resting not just for the sake, not just the absence of everything, not just doing nothing, but resting in the presence of God. Because this pattern of work and rest is not just about ourselves, but is a recognition of God, that God is in control. This is why we can rest. We can rest because God is in control of all things. And we must rest because we are made in the image of God, and he set the pattern for us. So the question then for each of us to reflect on as we think about this pattern of rest that God has created is to think about our own lives and how well our lives are matching up with a pattern of work and rest. Now we see, again, in, in, in realism and in, in Jesus talking here in his dispute with the Pharisees, and he's explaining these so-called exceptions to the Sabbath where David took the bread out of the temple and his disciples are eating grain and the priests work on the Sabbath. He's showing us the importance of it as a pattern of rest, not as a straitjacket that we must be bound to. So in our tradition, Sunday, the Lord's Day, is the day of rest. This is the day we gather for worship. This is the day that we rest from our, our regular labor. And that is an ideal pattern. It is wonderful to work six days and rest on Sunday. It works well. It's well aligned with God's creation. But we also know, like I said, from what Jesus said here, that not everybody is able to do that. Some things in life have to carry on on Sundays. People have to continue working in hospitals. People have to continue keeping us safe on the streets. So some of you have jobs that you have to work on Sundays. And that's not really what Jesus is talking about. But the call, because there, there are jobs that have to be done. But the call is for us then, for those who have to work on Sunday, to consider when can I find my rest? When can I have this pattern in my life where I can follow this pattern of rest? And so there's different ways to work that out. That's something to be thought about with wisdom, to ask God for help. I'd love to talk more about the details of how to work, work that out in your life. But the question to reflect on is, are you in alignment with the pattern that God has set? And what is keeping you from that alignment? Is it just, just a, a desire? Oh, I just need to set this pattern and that's good to go? Or does it go a little deeper? Do you have to ask yourself whether you really believe that God will get everything done? Are there things that you're trying to do that simply don't have to be done that you have to let go of? Say, I don't actually need to do all these things. And then I can fit better into this pattern that God has called me to. But really, the key to the pattern is not us trying to, uh, just trying to align ourselves to the pattern in our own strength. The key to it is that God compels a relationship of rest. For the Sabbath, again, it's not about a straitjacket of rules to abide by, but it's an invitation 
to be compelled into a relationship of rest, a relationship of rest that is found in Jesus. This is the invitation that Jesus offers, the compelling invitation of verse 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me, you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, this, this, you hear the compelling of it. Come, come, the invitation to relationship with Jesus. And this yoke that he's talking about, he'd use this yoke, he's, he uses the image of a yoke a lot. In fact, he has applied it before or after to the Pharisees. And he's accused them of tying up on people a heavy yoke that they cannot bear. The rules and restrictions and trying to fit themselves into the law. And Jesus says, no, come take my yoke. The yoke of relationship with me. And then he goes on here when he's discussing the Sabbath with the Pharisees. He points it, not just that they're, they're misinterpreting the law, but that he himself has come. Verse, uh, chapter 12, verse 6, I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. Verse 8, for the Son of Man, Jesus, is Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus is telling them that the Sabbath, the rules, the command to follow this pattern that God has laid out, finds its fulfillment in relationship with Him. If we want rest, the pattern and the alignment with the created order is good. But true rest for our souls can only be found in relationship with Jesus. This is the heart of Christianity. This is the heart of worship. This is the heart of love for God. Is not found in the obedience to the rules, but in relationship with the person of Jesus. And there's, there's a beautiful passage in this book that I love called God's Smuggler. And I know I've read it before because I have a resurrection card in here at the right place. So just bear with me because I'm going to read it again because it's beautiful. But this is a book by Brother Andrew, who was a, a uh, Dutchman who was born during World War II. And then during the, uh, during the Cold War era, era, he smuggled Bibles across the Iron Curtain into Soviet-controlled countries to strengthen the church that was underground in those countries. And so it's an amazing story of his courage, his faith, of God's protection of him. But this is from before he started smuggling Bibles across the Iron Curtain when he was in training uh, as a missionary. And he was struggling with what it meant to be a Christian. And he was struggling specifically with the fact that he had no money. And they were on the top of a hill in Scotland. Uh, and they, there was a slum at the bottom of the hill. And he walked down there to the slum and was bothered by the fact that he felt like the, the beggars in the slum were getting more money than the missionary servants of God at the top of the hill. And then he reflects on it. He says, I could not understand why this bothered me so. Was I greedy? I didn't think so. We had always been poor and I had never worried about it. What was it then? And suddenly, walking back up the hill toward the school, I had my answer. The question was not one of money at all. What I was worried about was a relationship. At the chocolate factory, I trusted Mr. Ringers to pay me in full and on time. Surely, I said to myself, if an ordinary factory worker could be financially secure, so could one of God's workers. I turned through the gate at the school. 
Above me was the reminder, have faith in God. That was it. It wasn't that I needed the security of a certain amount of money. It was that I needed the security of a relationship. If I were going to give my life as a servant of the king, I had to know that king. What was he like? In what way could I trust him? In the same way I trusted a set of impersonal laws, or could I trust him as a living leader, as a very present commander in battle? That was something quite different. That was the kind of king I would follow into any battle. This is the key to rest. Brother Andrew's talking about money, but when we're tired and burdened and heavy laden, it's the same question. Where will we find rest? Not simply in the application of rules, but in a relationship of rest with Jesus. So what does that mean for us? If you're here this morning and you have never embraced that relationship with Jesus, if you have not put your faith in him, that is the starting point to it all. It's not something that you can work out just by going to church or by following some rules or trying to be a good person. We need to talk to him. We say, Jesus, I want a relationship with you. You may not even know exactly what that means or what that's going to be. Say, Jesus, I want this relationship with you. I want to come to you. I want to know you. Maybe you've been living that relationship for a long time, walking as a Christian, but we continue to cultivate it as a relationship. How do you cultivate relationships? With time. When we follow the creation pattern of six days you shall work and one day you shall rest and worship, it's not just a rule, it's a, it's a, it's a relationship. It's time. It's time spent with God. The pattern of Sabbath gives us time to spend with God. This tool of the daily prayer project, again, this is not a burden, something you have to get through every day. This is a tool for for time to have a relationship with Jesus, to engage in it, to teach us to spend time with him. So seek to cultivate that relationship with him. Once we have that foundation of realizing that God has created this pattern, and embracing a relationship with him that he compels us into, then, then we can embrace that he commands a habit of rest. And we can set our wills to engage in that habit. Say, I will set aside that time. And he does. We can't, in all the talk of relationship and the goodness of this, we, we can't miss the fact that here, that the command of the Sabbath is the command that Jesus laid, that, that God laid out in the Ten Commandments, and that Jesus kept, he did not tell his, the Pharisees when they criticized the disciples for picking up the grain. He didn't say, forget the Sabbath, that doesn't matter. He said, you're misunderstanding the point. It's okay to pick up the grain. But the habit is something that is commanded because it is good for our souls. So it is, we must figure out how to make this habit a reality in our lives. How we can carve out time for rest in our lives. Time for God. In our family, we call it, we, in our family, we, we have the blessing that we can make Sundays that day. And we call it, so we say that Sundays are days for worship and rest. And we just, we repeat that over and over. Sundays, the Lord's day is for worship and rest. So we prioritize going to church and gathering with God's people. And then we go home and we play games and we eat food and we enjoy time together for worship and rest. What that rest looks like is going to look different for different people. For some people, 
the, the week feels busy and rushed and you're just eating this and that here and there. And to prepare a sumptuous feast on Sunday is an act of rest and a wonderful thing. For others who are cooking all week long, the act of rest on Sunday is to not cook anything at all. It, rest is going to look different for different people. But however it looks for you, God commands us and compels us and invites us into this habit of rest. And so we must each ask ourselves, how can I make a habit of rest? How can I find my one day in seven that I can set aside to spend time with God, to worship him? What do I need to do that? Where do I need to trust God to believe that he has got it under control? And at the same time, as we trust God and believe in him to make it possible for us to rest, the habit of rest turns around and makes it easier to trust God. When we develop this habit of resting, then we will learn to trust God in that. We will learn that God has all things under control and he will take care of us and he will provide for all of our needs. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for all your blessings. We thank you that you made us to work and to rest that you give us this pattern of Sabbath, that you compel us into a relationship with you, and that you give us habits to form our hearts that we might know you more. So Father, we pray that you would sink this word deep into our hearts, that we might know you more this day and in the days to come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from Resurrection Community Church. To learn more about our church and how you can connect with God and others, please visit resurrectionvb.org.